0: Culture of Invitation. That's the title I've been given this morning as part of the vision exercise. And what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is really questioning what it is that God is asking us to do as the next stage on a journey together as a community. And uh, being a community where everyone is welcome, well we've heard it this morning, no matter what is going on in your life, you are welcome here. And that has been a powerful message, and I found that really helpful already this morning. As we continue to explore this invitation, I wanted to pick up on something I've got no control. Can I have the next slide, guys, at the back? If you click back on the thing, I might get control. Ha ha, there we go. Right, so the kingdom, the kingdom, we heard the word kingdom turn up in our reading. What does the word kingdom mean? Well, it's something that Linda picked up on two weeks ago if you were here. And if not, do go and listen again to her talk and to to all the talks in this series. Or perhaps download the, the study notes that are with them on the website that the small groups are taking part in. And you're still welcome to join in with one of those small groups, even if you've not done so yet. There's still opportunities there. But Linda said something that I thought was really interesting. She said that God's kingdom is the place where God's values and power hold sway. And we sometimes say we're living in the now but not yet times, don't we? We talk about God's kingdom and we know that there will come a time when there will be no more pain and there will be no more suffering. But we know that right now life is still difficult. But you know what makes life work now is that we see glimpses of the king. We see glimpses of his kingdom and we know that the king is right here with us no matter what's going on. I just thought it was important to set the scene in that way before we dig into our passages, before we explore these stories together and see what it is that God is challenging us to today. I've got a couple of questions on the slide that I think are going to help as we ask God, well, even as we ask him, what questions should we be asking during this vision exercise? We say, what is the invitation on offer? Who's behind the invitation? Who's delivering the invitation And what difference does it make? having had that wonderful dramatised reading from the young people, you've probably got a fair few answers coming to mind already. But maybe we should unpack the passages a bit more. Keep these questions in your head, we'll come back to them. I wonder what you conclude. But maybe if you've got your Bible there in front of you, turn to page 989, which is uh, Luke chapter 14. And we find ourselves roughly in the middle of a collection of stories about the life of Jesus. And they were put together by a doctor called Luke not long after Jesus lived on earth. And we find Jesus, look at the start of chapter 14 and you'll see this. We find Jesus eating at the house of a prominent Pharisee and being carefully watched. And you can just imagine all the guests sitting around the table, jostling for position, making sure that they get to sit next to the most important person or wherever their social standing would dictate. Okay, you've got that in your head? Now, then comes a bit of a shock. You see, they had a culture of invitation, but it was about being in the right place on the guest list. And Jesus turned it all on its head. Because scan your eye through Luke 14 there and you'll see that Jesus challenges them not just to invite their friends and their brothers and maybe their rich relatives or, or their rich neighbours to come and have a feast with them. He says, no, invite everyone to your banquets. A bit shocking that. You can imagine, you know when someone drops a clangor at a dinner party? I hope this didn't happen at the safari supper, but when someone drops a clangor, then somebody will roll out some platitude and try and paper it all over, okay? One of the Pharisees said, blessed are those who will eat at the feast of the kingdom. Now, what he had to say was kind of a bit like one of us saying, don't worry, in heaven, all suffering's going to end. It's one of those kind of semi-religious platitudes that you can roll out, and everyone just goes, yeah but what about the poor and the lame and the suffering now? Well, Jesus did not let this Pharisee get away with his pious religiosity. He cut through it and he challenged him. And that is where this story we heard came from. And in the story, we heard people being invited to a feast and then giving those somewhat amusing excuses as to why they couldn't come. And then and you could just think they'd been laughing along, a great sort of yes, few we've got away from that embarrassing question. And then the shock hits. The owner of the house issues an invitation, first to the poor and the lame, and then to those on the roads and the country lanes. As we saw in that video, the vagabonds were invited. That's not what you say when you're having a posh dinner with some important people, is it? Excuse me? Where are all the poor? Hmm. And I don't think any of those educated Jews would have misunderstood his meaning. See, they knew that as Jews, their ancestors had been invited long ago to be part of God's special people. They'd been invited to be part of the kingdom of God. And here was Jesus saying invite those outside Jerusalem. Invite the Gentiles to be part of the kingdom. Hmm, not really what they wanted to hear him say. And I wonder what it makes you think. In the parable, the invitation is all about being part of the kingdom, and it's so much more than just an invitation to a feast or a service or a party. Although. Jesus did say to them, make sure you invite all these people to any event you're doing in the here and now. He wasn't being exclusive about the end times. What he was saying was part of the kingdom. You should invite everyone to join with you and be made welcome in God's kingdom. It's an open invitation for everyone to meet with God, to sit down and eat with him in the kingdom. And then we were considering who's behind the invitation. Well, in the parable, it was the master of the house, but clearly for you and I, it's God who's issuing the invitation. And who gave out the invitation? I think it's quite interesting that it's the agents, it's the servants who are out there telling those outside that God wants to meet with them. Maybe that's got something to say to us as agents of God's kingdom. But before we dig into the final question, that difference question, maybe we should take a look at the other passage, see what that's got to say. Because, you know, we're all different, aren't we? I love it that we're all different. And have you ever noticed how different the Bible is? The Bible, well, God used, what, 40-odd writers to write 66 books in numerous different styles. And in each one of those, he told the same message that God loves you in a slightly different way. So let's turn to our next passage. If you've got your Bible there, if you go to, um, let me flick through to it, um, page, I've lost my page now, somewhere 1077. If you turn to page 1077, you will find yourself in the letter to the Romans. Now this letter was written about 30 years after the story that we've just had. And it was sent by one of the first leaders of the early church, a man called Paul. And he himself had trained as a Pharisee, as a Jewish religious leader. And he was now writing to a new, a set of new believers in Rome. And this was a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. And perhaps in today's language we'd say that that church in Rome was a mixture of those who'd grown up in the church and were familiar with it and a lot of people who had previously known nothing of God and had been completely unaware of what it was all about and were now part of a Christian community even though they didn't have a Christian heritage. So maybe we've got the church and the unchurched all together. So Paul's writing to the Jews and the Gentiles and he's no longer writing just as a Jew because Paul who had been one of the most pious Pharisees there was, well, he was now a Christian. He had had an encounter with Jesus, the Messiah, the long-awaited king that the Jews had been waiting for. And this had completely changed his life. God had given him an invitation to know him personally and then to go out there and to share the message with the unclean, the people on the outside, the Gentiles. And so that's why he's writing. And if we flick back to the start of the letter, because it's always good to get to the beginning of a letter when you're reading it, go to page 1065, Romans chapter 1, verse 7. We know this is what Paul is doing. He says he's writing to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Or maybe we could say to all those who are loved by God, who he has invited to be agents of his kingdom. Would you say? And what did he have to write to them? Well, flick slowly through the next 15 pages and just scan your eye over some of these headings. What have we got? We've got a wonderful message of peace and joy, of new life, of freedom, of God reaching out to all the people as his much-loved children. And so when this morning we find ourselves in chapter 15, we're coming towards the climax This letter has been full of really deep theology, but also some really practical teaching. And now Paul says to his listeners, this is what I want you to do. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That's what we did earlier in the service, didn't we? We welcomed each other. And in fact, that word turns up in the English Standard Version. If you look at that translation, it says, Therefore welcome one another, as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of God. Or indeed in the message, which we used earlier. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it, now you do it. And Paul then goes on in chapter 15 to quote passage after passage of the Jewish scriptures to make it clear that there was nothing new in this message of open invitation. In a way, everyone had always been invited, and he'd been setting aside the Jewish people to show the world around, glimpses of his kingdom, of his glory, of his majesty. And as we heard read for us just now, it was clear that God wanted the Gentiles to be part of that kingdom as well. And that's why we're here, isn't it? So many of us are not Jewish. We are so grateful that God did this and he called everyone to be part of his kingdom. And Paul is asking this diverse community made up of both the Jews and the non-Jews to foster a culture of open invitation where everyone is welcome and everyone has a role to play. So going back to the question that I posed before, oh, I'm out of sync. Someone rescue me at the back. I want the slide that's got the answers to the questions. There we go. So what is it that we're concluding? Well, I think this invitation to be part of the kingdom that Paul is talking about here is an invitation to be part of an authentic, incarnational, worshipping Christian community that is adapted to meet the needs of both the Jews and the Gentiles. It's not just that little house church in Rome. But Paul makes it clear to them that they are part of something much bigger. They're part of the kingdom. And he's inviting them to become a community by whose words and deeds the glory of God is shown and the people around them start to see some of that. Paul's focus is on being active agents of the kingdom through worship, through community and through looking out. Those words sound a bit familiar. We've heard them quite a bit in recent weeks. He's saying that these agents of the kingdom should build something that embodies up and in and out. And that's a challenge that God has repeatedly given to us here in Camborne, isn't it? And of course, it is God who is issuing the invitation. Verse 7 in chapter 1, the God who loves them and invites them to be part of his kingdom. And it is Paul who says to us so clearly in that bit that we've just read, welcome one another, accept one another, reach out to one another. Paul is making it clear that God will act through each of us in the power of his spirit to make sure the invitation is delivered. So, at last, we can ask the question, what difference does it make? Well, I think the example of both Paul and Jesus is to practice authentic Christianity in an authentic and incarnational way, to get out there and come alongside people as and where they are, not to invite them back to something alien, but to become agents of the kingdom with them where they are. And one place where we know in our contemporary day and age, people feel right at home well, one place that I go quite a lot during the week, I'll meet a friend for a coffee. It's something we all do, isn't it? It's something that we do here in Camborne We have 19 The Coffee House. And I've been uh, absolutely delighted to hear some stories from Jackie and Gerald and from the volunteers at 19 about something of the glimpses of God's kingdom that they've found through the week in 19. And they've put together this video. The stories from the volunteers are voiced by actors and it's narrated by Jackie and Gerald. But let's take a look and see what God's been doing here.
1: 19 The Coffee House opened its doors to the community of Camborne in March 2010. The name comes from the distinctive 19 mile per hour speed limit, so familiar during the early years of this new development. Four years on, it's thriving, offering a warm welcome and a sense of community. Alongside fair trade coffee, homemade cakes, and other treats. Hosting a coffee house was part of the church's vision for this building. It's one way in which we, as a church, are living out the openness, welcome, and hospitality of our core gospel values within Camborne.
2: 19 has always been managed and run by a team of volunteers coming from both the church and wider community. The support was received from South Cam's District Council, Camborne Parish Council. And the crier was also important, especially while we were getting started.
1: I think at first we saw it primarily as an opportunity to serve the community through good coffee and a welcoming place where people could meet friends or just find a moment to be still.
2: For many of our customers, nineteen forms part of their weekly routine. We've even got to know their orders.
3: I love being able to chat with customers, to be able to take the time to just listen when they have something they want to talk about.
1: The coffee house has become particularly popular with parents and carers. We've a group of childminders who meet here every Tuesday.
2: Then there's a group of ladies from Darwin Manor who join us for a cup of fair trade tea or coffee every Monday.
1: And we've been the venue for community gatherings like the Time Bank Project. People also hold business meetings here or simply pop in to pick up a bacon roll or muffin.
2: Nineteen has become a place of refuge and relief despite the general noise level. We see customers reading, studying, writing and working, as well as chatting with friends.
3: Um, As a volunteer, I see 19 being a comfortable setting for people to get to know others, both the people in that day's team and the customers. I have a lot of positive moments here. I am able to improve my English.
1: We have been surprised by how much the coffee house has become the open door of the church during the week. We are here for the community when they come in looking for something, perhaps for comfort, guidance or maybe even something of God.
3: I enjoy the opportunity to talk to people who are not churchgoers in a relaxed situation, and hopefully help them to realise just how easy it is to be part of our church when you have children, and so both adults and children can come to know the joy of knowing Jesus.
1: One thing that has really struck me about the coffee house is how it's become a place where we've seen God's love at work in very practical ways, as these stories show.
3: I first came in here when I was at a real low. I think nineteen in the coffee house literally saved my life. I've been made to feel welcome. They were there for me when I needed somebody. In the coffee house, I met some people who were living out of their faith, not preaching at me. It's a community I want to be part of. I hadn't been volunteering at nineteen for long when David had a serious car accident. I didn't know what the future for our family may hold. David was moved from intensive care after three weeks but we didn't yet know what kind of recovery he would make. Four weeks later, David was transferred to a rehabilitation centre for a further eight weeks. He gradually returned home and was keen to do something to get back into the swing of everyday life. His injuries meant returning to work was a gradual process. By volunteering at 19, David gained some confidence and support. He enjoyed his time and felt welcomed. It was a difficult time in our lives, but 19 holds a special place in my heart, and always will.
1: Listening to these stories reminds us of how much God has done here. When we opened, we hoped to make a difference to our customers. We never guessed the difference it would make to the volunteers. There's great comradeship, and an amazing support network has built up between us. On occasion... Volunteers have come into 19, not in a good place emotionally. They don't necessarily want to talk about things, but by the end of the shift they are in a better place.
2: New projects have come out of the original vision, such as the Father's and Children's Breakfast, which gives men a chance to spend valuable time with their children.
1: Of course, there are plenty of challenges in running a coffee shop staffed by volunteers. People often juggle their shifts around school runs or other responsibilities, which can be tricky. But what's been great is how we've seen each other through some really tough times. That's real life. We support each other.
2: We also have the change of walking the fine line between providing a non-threatening environment where all are welcome, whoever are on their journey of faith, whilst being overtly Christian enough for those looking for support and guidance.
1: It is a massive privilege to serve and welcome people into the church. We have great fun in the kitchen and lots of laughter especially when it gets busy. It has been wonderful to see what God has done through the coffee house.
2: He has taken us on a real journey of faith.
0: Do you know, I think that deserves a round of applause, both to the volunteers who have been part of that, but much more to the God who has made it all possible. And what I love about that story is knowing that that is just one thing that God is doing here in Camborne. And there are so many other activities that take place throughout the week where God is helping people to know about his love. When we have a culture of invitation, a culture of openness, a culture of welcome, people can start to see that it's God that loves them. And that can really make a difference. I think it's interesting watching their video that they're quite intentional about what it is that they're doing, just like some of the other groups that meet throughout the week are. And they say, Did you see their mission statement? It says, 19 The Coffee House exists to show the love of God in action through service within and for the community of Camborne. And that's where they are inviting others to see God's love in action and then to join in in a way that is appropriate for them. It is exciting to hear. It's exciting to join with them in questioning what God might be doing next. And that's what we're doing as a church in this vision exercise. We're celebrating what he's done and we're asking where we should go next. And you know something, the more I talk to people, the more I realise that the thing that people are seeking more than anything else is they're seeking a sense of peace. And I think that's what some of the people who've come into 19 have found. I know it's what some of us have found by coming to Sunday services, or by going to parent and toddler space, or whatever it is that you join in with. Or maybe it's just been at home, when you've been praying quietly, and you have felt something of God's peace and his purpose for your life. And that, to me, is the most important invitation, as we think about an invitation this morning. It's the invitation that God gives us to know that we matter as individuals, that he loves us, that he's going to meet us exactly as we are, where we are. He's going to wash away any feelings of guilt and inadequacy and replace them with feelings of peace and purpose and hope. And so what have we learned? We have learned that despite our opening Bible passage being about invitation to a feast well it's so much more than that this is an invitation to be part of God's kingdom we're not saying become a Christian and life will be a party we're saying become a Christian to meet with the God who made you and loves you come and inhabit the place where God's values and power hold sway the message that we get from both Luke and Paul is clear God will meet us at our point of need, welcome us into his arms as and where we are. And that's the invitation he wants us to share. And maybe the challenge we walk away this morning with is twofold. Maybe you're here and you don't know what I'm talking about when I say that God can bring you peace. Maybe now's the time to ask him some questions. To say, God, I'm here. I want to know this love. That invitation is there for you if you need to hear it. There are also many of us who have accepted that invitation a long time ago, or maybe even just a few weeks ago. And the question there is, what now? How is God going to use us next, taking into account our differences and our personalities and what he is doing in the wider community? Paul was really clear, wasn't he? He said, reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it, now you do it. And we've acknowledged this morning some of the darkness around us. But you know what? It is also true that God has a great love for each one of us as his broken children, his precious children. And he has a broken hearted love over us. So how should we respond? Well, this is something that I have wrestled with so much, particularly over the last two years. How can we come alongside each other as Jesus came alongside us when he came to earth and lived among us? How can we help those around us to know the open invitation that he has for them? And how can we join with them together as agents of God's kingdom, building contextual worshipping communities where they Already are that meet their needs and where they can worship God. You know what? He doesn't leave us alone. He empowers us by His Spirit to foster this culture of invitation. And as Paul prayed for those believers in Rome, we can pray for each other. And let me pray for us now. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in Him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Um, Very kindly cut down some of the comments she was going to make, but there's one I just want to draw out because I think it will touch people. Can you tell us about your walking up at Camborne just briefly?
0: Yeah, um, I said I'd really wrestled with things over the last two years and And I think what started that was um, I'd taken the dog out for a walk and and many of you know I often go out walking and praying around Camborne and I was walking down a particular road that was half finished and there were lights on in some houses, there was darkness because the houses weren't yet occupied and as I walked down the road I suddenly felt like my heart was about to break. God gave me a real sense of some of the pain and the brokenness that some of those people living in those houses or just moving into those places felt. And I felt that like my heart was going to break because he loves those people so much just like he loves us. And at the same time as having my heart broken by the needs and the loneliness of these people, I felt a sense of God's brokenheartedness. And out of the love that he has and the power of his love for those people who he loved first, I knew that he was a great and powerful God. And that's the challenge that, that has really consumed me for two years at least. That how can we be God's agents to build his kingdom in this place?
2: Thank you so much. Church, let's stand together and pray that God would break our hearts and give us fresh pind and fresh purpose as we sing, um, unless you build this house. Thank you.